0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee?
1: And does it smell good? Wolfen, down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Yeah, it's time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Here as always is Aaron Maloney, Aaron.
2: So, the Arizona Cardinals pulled off the 20-point comeback in Las Vegas as they beat the Raiders in overtime, 29-23. How impressed were you by the resiliency of this team?
0: I've never seen uh, this team fight in the Cliff Kingsbury era, the Kyler Murray era. I've never seen this team fight the way that they did in that second half and come back. This was the biggest come-from-behind win in that era, certainly. And to see that kind of brawling, that kind of fight... That really, that really gave me a lot of comfort.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, that's what this team was really missing, was that resiliency. Towards the end of last season, when things started to go badly, they were just done. When things started to go badly against the Rams in that playoff game, they were just done. Same thing with the Chiefs last week. And then this week, things start to go badly again. You referenced it, Wolf. The very start of the game was pretty much everything you feared as a Cardinals fan. And yet, in the second half, it, to me, the win is obviously the biggest because you can't go 0-2 with the Rams coming of town but the fact that they showed that resiliency that bodes well for the rest of the season to me better than anything else
2: kyler murray was 31 49 for 277 passing yards and a touchdown but he really took over the game in the second half wolf you said he was the beating heart for the second half yes what did you guys see from kyler murray just see some murray magic in las vegas
0: First of all, I mean, I saw some plays from Kyla Murray that I have never seen a human being execute on a football field ever, and I've been around this game for a long, long time. Uh, Even when I was a kid, I was an avid watcher of all things football. Fran Tarkenton used to have some of the most incredible scrambles in the history of the game. Go back and look at it. Google Fran Tarkenton, my young crunk brothers. Well, you know what? Fran Tarkenton wishes he had 4-3 speed. <laughs> and watching Kyler Murray do what he did yesterday, I've never seen it on a football field, not even from Fran Tarkenton. He made some plays that were incredible, and the best thing was he led his team back from a 20-0 deficit to win the game. Now, of course, tied it up in regulation to go into overtime that allowed him to win the game with Byron Murphy returning the fumble uh, recovery for a touchdown, but... It doesn't go into overtime without Kyler Murray. I don't know if
1: there's a lot of quarterbacks that could make those plays. I don't know if there's any, honestly. Lamar could maybe scramble like that. Yeah. But I don't think he can make the throw to A.J. Green that Kyler Murray made. Um, But the ability to scramble and and turn a two-point conversion that they had to get into something when there was nothing there. That's This is why you drafted him. This is why you paid him. And I understand that he is not a perfect quarterback and that ideally you wouldn't be in that situation, but the Raiders are a good team. And if you are in that situation, you have one of the few guys that can still win you a game when you probably shouldn't win.
2: Defensive coordinator Vance Joseph cut Isaiah Simmons' role significantly yesterday. In fact, he played 15 snaps on defense, which was down from 61 in week one. But he did help the Cards in a very crucial situation, punching the ball loose in overtime, which allowed Byron Murphy to scoop it up and return it for the win. Your thoughts on this? Your thoughts on Isaiah Simmons getting a less amount of snaps and coming up with that crucial play. That
1: was weird. Wasn't it kind of weird? I thought it was kind of weird. Uh, I mean, you give the green dot to Zayvon Collins. Okay, maybe you look at Isaiah and you're like, We're, we are putting too much on your plate. you got to deal with Darren Waller. You've got to do all these different things. You're kind of our backup at like four different positions. So you give somebody else the green dot, but then you you don't even play him in the first half. That was,
0: yeah. was different. He was the microcosm of the game, Isaiah Simmons. He really was. Um, the fact that he played two snaps I think in the first half and 13 In the second of his 15 snaps, he was the microcosm of the entire game because that's how the Arizona Cardinals played. In the first half, they didn't show up. They played their two snaps, basically. That's what they did. They were down 20 to nothing. In the second half, they rallied themselves, played better, and then won the game. Well, you know what? Isaiah Simmons did exactly that. Rallied himself in the second, played better, had the opportunity to play better, had more reps, 13 of them, and then all of a sudden made the play that changed the game and won the game for the Cardinals. He was the microcosm of the game.
2: So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks... Did the Cardinals come back over the Raiders make you more optimistic about their outlook for the year? So your options, guys. Yes, I am much more optimistic. A little bit, I still have my concerns, or not at all.
1: I don't see how it could be not at all. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes, flat out, because not only did they win. But the resiliency you were just talking about. To do that, and you do have to look at this through the scope, and I I was thinking this during the game yesterday, if the offense suddenly looks good when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, that's almost more frustrating because it shouldn't just be one guy. But now that you've won a game and your offense got better, you are looking at this through the scope if you're just trying to make it through the first six weeks. And winning that game yesterday makes it so much easier to be in the playoff race
0: when Hopkins comes back. Yeah, you know, uh, once again, uh, down 20 to nothing to come back and actually win this game all- Ultimately, um, haven't really seen them come down from that kind of deficit since game one, where Kyler Murray played against the Detroit Lions his rookie year. This is year four. That's why this is so important going forward, because this is one of those wins you don't soon forget.
2: And then, guys, we're going to end it here. The Arizona State Sun Devils parted ways with head coach Herm Edwards after a poor start to the 2022 season. ASU running backs coach Sean Aguano has been named the interim head coach. What are your thoughts on this?
1: My initial thought is Sean Aguano gets Utah and then USC and then the Huskies in his first three games. Yeah, and the Huskies right. look really good. So mm, USC um, looks really good. USC. That game, yeah, USC looks like national championship contender.
0: Good. You know, once again, uh, the the hire of Herm Edwards. There was a plan behind it. The plan failed. Um, But I think it was more than anything else, the execution of that plan that failed. I don't think the plan was bad. I don't. I think the execution of it was bad. Herm Edwards became more of an administrative head coach than a guy that was more hands-on. And at least to me, I thought he was going to be more hands-on. I've
1: been reading this Doug Haller story on The Athletic like during our commercial breaks. I mean, it just doesn't. <laughs> it just paints a very bad picture of what has been going on there the last few years. All right, that was Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Thank you, uh, Aaron, as always when we come back. What adjustments did the Cardinals make in the second half to beat the Raiders yesterday? We're going to ask their sideline reporter. Paul Calvisi joins us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. bye well, let's
3: be the best. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at
1: Sanderson Ford. back here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Zach Allen joined us earlier in studio. Cliff Kingsbury is going to join us later for his weekly exclusive one-on-one, so (laughs) got a lot of questions to ask him. Paul Calvisi joins us now, and Paulie, we're going to ask you a bunch of those questions, too. Did did Zach Allen still have that smile on his face that he had on his face
3: when Kyla Murray ran 21 seconds and covered some 85 yards on the two-point conversion because nobody was smiling wider than the defensive lineman on the Arizona Cardinals cardinals sideline because they could relate to what the raiders defensive linemen were just went through and as justin Pugh told us after the game is they were blocking for kyler in that play the raiders defensive line was so deflated so demoralized yes. so gassed at that point and i mean that was that was a big turning point in more ways than one but seriously I, on the sideline guys got up off the bench you know, like when you're at a sporting event and you're like, oh, this is going to be a good play and you're getting up out of your seat and it brings you up out of your seat? That's what it did because they watch on the big screen and then they got up and they came to the white stripe because there were 21 seconds that elapsed during that. I mean, I got my taxes done personally during that two-point conversion on the sideline.
0: And Paulie, we know your forehead is huge and there's a brain behind that forehead. That's the one thing about it, Paul. But don't go too deep here, Paulie. But but go ahead and talk to us a little bit about just some In of the... In other words, keep it quick. Some, no, some of the biggest he just takeaways.
1: To give you a forehead line. Some That's of the all biggest
0: takeaways. You got yeah. a big brain, Paulie. No, it's a big stop. forehead just and a big stop. brains behind stop. it. Stop. Some of your takeaways as to. Oh my goodness, what is this going to do for the Cardinals? What? And
3: that's a great question. I mean, we just never know what is next. We didn't know they were going to start 7-0, and 10-2. We didn't know they were going to lose 5 of the last 6. We didn't know for the first time in nearly 90 games when trailing by 20 points or more at half that they would win. Before yesterday, they were 0-88-1 as a franchise in 100 years of football when trailing by 20 or more at half think about oh, that wow it was the, the most largest absurdly
1: unpredictable team in the NFL
3: right wow, now wow. it was the largest blown lead in raiders history so think about all that okay now other things that went on okay there's 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 things that make sense like Justin Pugh comes back and the old line all of a sudden is intact that that was a big deal that needed to happen left guard in week 1 was such a liability Right, t- you know, and then you go to the defensive line. JJ Watt returning, and he filled the stat page. He had a sack early, but it's what JJ Watt does for the team. When JJ Watt gets on the team bus and he's got the cap on, the knit cap, and he's got the aviator sunglasses, and he's got the headphones, and he's mean mugging everybody, or he's eating breakfast all by himself in the in the in the meal room. One of the most popular guys, but he's eating by himself, and he's just staring into the distance. It just sort of sets a tone, and he, there are just certain things mm-hmm. you. see. And then honestly, when Isaiah Simmons was benched in that game, when Isaiah Simmons had the green dot removed, uh, I think that sent a message that the guy who was called a star backer, was called a future star, an upcoming rising star during training camp, lost his job in week one based on performance. That sends a message. The only way you motivate a professional sports in the NFL is what? Job security. If you don't do your job, you won't have a job. And so there he was in the sideline, and he was conspicuous by his presence. When Tanner Vallejo and Nick Vigil are out there playing instead of Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. When Zeke Turner gets beat by Darren Waller on a tight end touchdown throw, you know, and you're like, what did Vance Joseph say earlier in the week? Three days before that, he told the media that Isaiah Simmons was drafted to cover tight ends and he wasn't in the game, that he's going to have to elevate his game to get the playing time. I think that says a lot. That holds everyone accountable. Really, the only true way you can hold someone accountable in
1: an NFL locker room. What was that sideline like as Byron Murphy is streaking down the sideline to win? Because I honestly thought we were going to see two or three different guys do the Drew Stanton dance. Uh, that's like we were, a couple guys got yeah. dangerously close, and yep. then obviously the way it ended, I mean, yep. I guess to, to, to finish this question, also, what was it like on the field when half the guys on the field thought the game was over and most of the people watching thought it was over, but there were still a couple of officials that were reviewing it. Uh, yeah, well, there were a lot of guys doing social media
3: things and uh, you know, and, and still celebrating, and guys were over with the Red Sea and they're high-fiving and then they're showing the replay up on the big screen, and then all of a sudden the coaches are screaming, get in the locker room! You know, get on the bus! Everybody start the bus! Let's go! No
0: showers! <laughs>
3: you know, so there was definitely a moment of trepidation, and as Byron Murphy told us after the game, yeah, there there was a pit in his stomach. Right? I bet he, he looked like it.
0: Well, what he what told saved him though, there was right. there was no goal line angle, so right. there, there was no angle down the right. goal line, so it wasn't definitive. He told you though, after when when you were talking to right. him after that, he learned the lesson. Oh yeah, right. He did.
3: Yeah. In fact, you know the 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 advice for Byron Murphy. Um, is to is to make like Greg Dorch who kept that football all the way to the sideline and gave it to the train to some of the equipment guys. He never let go of the football Greg Dorch after his touchdown. Byron Murphy needs to do the same.
0: You know what's amazing about it though, Paulie? it wasn't a perfect game at all by the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not just talking about the first half. I'm not just talking about how bad that first half was and how good the second half was. Man, they had some issues, communication issues. This is something you and I are going to talk to about, I'm sure Luke and I are going to actually have the conversation at 1.45. We'll talk to Cliff about that very thing right there. Boy, there was a lot of miscommunication going on from the sideline. And once again, they made it
3: too easy on Derek Carr, just like Cliff said after week one. Yeah, Mahomes was great, but we made it too easy on him. And that has to stop. It just has to stop. You have to stop. The opponent on the schedule can't be yourself, and so they still have to dial that down. There, there's no doubt about it, but but going back to like a Byron Murphy, when he he's able to travel and shadow a Devontae Adams for the entirety of a game and give up two catches for 12 yards. Incredible. That solves a massive problem. Justin Pugh coming back. Zach Allen, I thought, played a great game. Man, he was close to two, maybe even three sacks. He was so close a couple of times, and he was kind of frustrated on the sideline. I Rashard talked to him afterwards. Rashad Lawrence. Those three interior D linemen played really well. In fact, if I'm Steve Kime right now, number one on, on, on the radar, it has to be edge rush. Has to be. I don't know if there's a John Abram or a a Dwight Freeney out there right now, but I think you have the interior D-line play with all those guys healthy. Get off from Rashard Lawrence. I think they were stout enough. And if Zavin Collins is making progress on that front seven, I I think the big looming question is just edge rush. Can you get enough in that department? Because there was only one sack this season. It was J.J. Watt.
0: Paulie, think about it. Zavin Collins played every rep. Every rep, Paul. And, And it wasn't perfect. It wasn't they, perfect. no. It was not no, perfect. No. but there were two but guys that
3: played every snap on defense. What's encouraging? Two things. One, uh, he seems to be in the right spot at the right time. Or at least doing a better job of that. He has to finish. There's no doubt. But he's awareness. Progress, he to, again. Yes. awareness. The instincts, the read and react, is better. He's playing faster. And then there's what his teammates say about him, both on the record and off the record. If you work the locker room and talk to guys, come on, is it? it give me, give me the scoop on twenty five. Oh, you're going to bring that up? That and you and work guys, the no, I'm just is guys, that What
0: you're saying, well, Paulie? That you're down there, Wolf. and I'm up there in the. He did look and directly at you. He exactly. You would ever actually work the locker room? Work the yeah. locker room on the record and off. Tell us,
3: Paul. Well, while Wolf was in a limo to the Circa Resort and Stadium <laughs> Swim on that Saturday night, <laughs> oh, no. I happened to do be doing game prep oh, and yeah. homework and actually you getting were some
0: real information. Right there in the limo with when me. When Wolf
3: was hanging out with his bestie Knock Derek at the stand in his own cabana <laughs> on Saturday, watching the fight Triple G and Canelo. And all the other games going on, and the 143 feet of Daktronics like a big screen, shot of water. So you know that's that's where that sort of info comes from. As I now look at you, Luke, to have a real
0: conversation. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that, Paul. I knew we were getting there eventually. Just finish your whatever yeah. your answer was. What was or I your to... observation? Was Zayden Collins? You work the sideline, and you work the locker room. Yeah.
3: Here's the thing: if if if, 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 if you can get that interior D line play like you did, and keep Zaven Collins clean, okay. You know, obviously, you know, so at the at this point i think he's making progress yes. his teammates like i said on off the record are speaking much more positively about the progress he's making and and they gave him the green dot so there you go you, you have to be able to trust that position. And if they didn't, there's no doubt, in my mind, especially after the benching of Isaiah Simmons, that
1: Vance Joseph would give it to Jalen Thompson or a Buda Baker, if he had to. Totally. Polly great stuff as always, man. You even uh, you fought through the initial forehead joke and all the shots that he took at you. And you know. yeah.
3: Wolf likes to go to a show in Vegas, as you know, him and the Warrior Queen. <laughs> okay. He went to a show yesterday. All Wolf right. went to a show. I hope he appreciates what he saw up there. I just you know hope he appreciates honestly,
0: I, it. I, first time I've been in that stadium. Paul, have you been there before? No. I'm sure. Come on. Yeah. You're, you're Vegas every other weekend.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, usually I'm behind the velvet rope, not at a football stadium, okay? You know, so just remember, are you not entertained, Ron Wolfley? Are you not entertained? thank you very much. We appreciate
0: your time as always. I'm busy.
1: Text us your thoughts to the Findle text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Just how impressive was the resiliency of the Cardinals in the second half yesterday? We'll get into that. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Here we go! Quick.
3: Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford.
0: Let's go, let's go, let's go!
1: Wolf, all the different ways we've been talking about this game today. Zach Allen joined us. Paul Calvisi just joined us. Cliff Kingsbury is going to join us in about an hour. All the different angles to take on this game, and there are many very compelling ones. The one that stands out to me as potentially boating well more than any other for the rest of the season is the fact that the Cardinals showed some, some pretty solid resiliency yesterday. And we had Zach Allen in here earlier, he said, look, we didn't feel like we were, we were down or out. Down, but not that they were out of the game by, by any means at halftime. And I think a lot of Cardinals fans probably felt a lot different to be yeah. honest with the way that was going. Uh, I don't think he was saying that just to, you know, as as lip service. I think he was he gave us reasons. He said, you know, we felt like what they were doing was, was beatable. We just weren't doing it yet. But we have not seen that sort of fight from this Cardinals team. I don't even remember the last time, honestly, because at the start of last season, everything was going so well for them. Yeah. They, they were just winning every game. There wasn't really a lot of, hey, things are bad, and we got to fight back. When things started getting bad last year, they didn't fight back. And when they got bad in the playoff game, they couldn't fight back. And when they got bad last week, they couldn't fight back. Right. But yesterday, they could. And yeah, it might change everything.
0: That's why it was fantastic to see this. I, I really do believe all wins are not created equal. This is one of those wins that happened that I think can carry over for the rest of The season, and I'm not talking about suddenly. There you are. You're in Week 12. You're you're in December, maybe, and now all of a sudden you're talking about. Remember in Week number two and Week. I'm not talking about that. I just think early on, for the first half of this season, you can build off what we saw in the second half of this game or of this game against the Raiders yesterday. You can build off that and get better going forward. Um, the resiliency was. Awesome to see. There's no denying that, and where we go from here, it remains to be seen. It was one of those spots where, if you look at how this season
1: could potentially play out, right? You're trying to you're, you're trying to get through these first six games without DeAndre Hopkins. If you if you project the first half of yesterday's game onto the second half, and you just have that sort of lifeless performance, and you lose, and now the Rams are coming to town. Yeah. And they kept flashing the stat of what happens when you're 0-2, and you don't make the playoffs, basically. It's it's like one out of every ten. But since 2019, it's nobody. You start 0-2, nobody makes the playoffs over the last few years. And then the Rams come to town. Like, it would have been really easy to look and say, this is done. But by winning that game, you're now 1-1. One and one. And you look at the schedule, Wolf. It's okay. You got the Rams. You feel better about that game, maybe. The Rams are the one team I just... I gotta see it from the Cardinals against that team before no. I'm gonna be really encouraged they can win a game. But it's different now coming off the way that game ended. And then you've got Carolina, Philadelphia, and Seattle before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Those are winnable games. If you're trying to get to 3-3, three and three, you'd like better, but you're trying Yo, to get to 3-3, three and three, it's very doable now because of about 15 minutes of football yesterday.
0: Yeah, what I love most of all, though, is the fact that it sends a message to this team that, guess what, you can be down 20 points. You can be down 20 points, and you can come back and actually win. You can be down 20 points at the half and come back and win. You can do it. Just go out and do your job. Think about your job and what it is you have to do. Don't worry about about anybody else you stick to your job and doing your job and you can come from behind collectively you can do it individually, and then you can do it collectively. Come from behind and actually win from being 20 points down. How long did Polly say? Uh, how, how big of a comeback was that? So the, the last time they did that?
1: The last time they did that was never. Was, down, it was absolutely. 0-88-1 went down never, 20 in the second
0: half. Never is what Paul said. And by the way, it was the biggest loss of, of biggest lead given up by the Raiders in their history. At the half, it, it, I mean, stop and think about this. And you've got you've got Zach Zach Allen who was in here, not Zach Allen. No, don't say that, no. Zach Allen. Even when
1: they told me who was on today, I was like, Does that mean Zach right. or Zach Allen.
0: Zach Allen who was in here saying, Yeah, you know what? We just we, we thought we we're going to be fine. We we're going to come back here. I don't I don't think he realized <laughs> that there were 88 and probably not. That's one of those things where you don't want to hear the stat. You don't want to hear <laughs> the stat. That's such a player mentality.
1: Yeah, you don't you don't need to get bogged down in the stats. But now that you've won the game, it's nice to be 188-1. and you got to be kidding me. Uh, Just an unreal finish, too. I tell you, Wolf, Byron Murphy picks that ball up, runs it into the end zone. And I told you before, in real time, I was a little bit nervous of of how quickly he tossed it aside. When they started showing the replays, I I was kind of like, okay, they're probably not going to be able to overturn this because it's, who knows? It looked... They didn't have a definitive view. It actually looked more like he had crossed the line when they were slowing it down. Down and showing the replays. In real time, I was like, Ugh, that was really close. But where I got nervous is on the TV broadcast, they're talking and they're kind of showing Cliff, looking around, telling everybody to get off the field. And guys are kind of like, what are we doing? And then you hear the crowd in Vegas go crazy. And I'm like, Why, what's going on? Like, did they just see something? Did what, You know, what's, what's happening here? Yes. So that was, for all the twists and turns of that game yesterday, there was like three twists and turns on the final play of the game yesterday.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, there was, Luke. And that roar that you heard going up in the stadium, of course, was because they saw him. That's, and it looked like I he figured. chucked yeah. the ball before it was up on the video board. And they, oh, you know, oh, boy. You, you know, it, it reminded me, too, where you had Cliff. Okay, take it in. Yeah. <laughs> and the cargo, Get on the bus. We're out well, here we go. Uh, Gene Stalin. As a matter of fact, it reminded me when we played the Chicago Bears, and there it was, and it was a preseason game. And suddenly, we're out there and we're brawling. As a matter of fact, and it was a big brawl that I've, broke. I've out. seen the highlights of right this there. brawl. You've seen this, where Gene Stallings said, "Take it, in. I go, take it in now, boys." Right, and he was walking, he told us to get off the field, and all of a sudden there was an NFL executive right there, and they said, Bill, I mean not Bill, they said, uh, Gene. He's like, Why call me Bill? Well, because Bill Bidwell was going to fire oh, him. No. in fact he took them <laughs> off the field. Gene, uh, you're going to be fired. You get your team back out here. And that's exactly what he had to do. And but it reminded me of that, you know. All right, hey, everybody, take it in. Nothing. Nothing to see here. Um, as it turned out, of course, it was a play that could not be overturned. They did not have a definitive view. This is Kyler after the game talking
1: about that resiliency.
2: Uh, that feeling, um,
1: you know, going to the half where nothing's going right. Like, I feel like we felt that plenty of times, and, and at least since I've been here. Um, you know, I... Rhythmic offense. You know, We're an we're, we're offense that likes to get going, uh, run at our tempo, run at our pace, and when we're not moving like that, um, it gets stagnant, it gets stale. Um, we're going three and out, stuff like that, or we're, we're getting first downs and then uh, punting. Um, you know, it's an ugly feeling, but, man, the the, the grit, um, the resiliency of this group uh, coming into halftime. Addressed it, came out. You know, the, the issue for us is never playing hard. It's just about executing, and uh, that's that's one thing that we we came out and did. We executed the defense. Uh, defense, man, proud of the defense. Got stops. Um, you know, they had our back, and uh, man, I just I just try to put the ball in the end zone when I got out there because uh, first half was
0: unacceptable. So
1: yeah, I think it he was just, unacceptable. He, he just said it right there, Wolf. The Cardinals definitely seem like the sort of team that when their offense is on the field, you have to keep them out of rhythm. Because once they got going, they were fairly unstoppable at the end of that game, but we just hadn't seen them get going yet this season.
0: Yeah, you know, um, just don't tell me you're going to go to the hurry-up offense every time you're out there, you know? I mean, like we saw that do back in, it just won't. It it will not work in the National Football League. One of the things you won't have are offensive linemen who want to come play for you (laughs) when you're, here, get on the ball! We're going to snap the ball once every eight. Seconds, get on the ball, right? No, um, it's not going to work. It's it's part of blending the old and the new. You want to go a tempo? I understand that. That's great. Pick a, pick a series to do it. Yeah, no, the, Don't do it all the time. Pick a series to do
1: the it. The tempo's great, but I think it, even yesterday, it was more just they were staying on the field. Even if it was just, okay, we're going to run the ball. I mean, <laughs> how much tempo can you have when you're getting a delay of game penalty every eight plays anyway? Eight, eight, one, yeah. So, But it was just the fact that they were staying on the field. It wasn't, hey, here's a three and out. Okay, now we're going to watch the Raiders with a 10-minute drive to start the game over and over again. Uh, when we come back over to ASU. Is Herm Edwards is out. Sean Iguano is their next coach for now. He's got uh, quite the tough schedule coming up in his first three games, but he's talking this afternoon. So uh, we're hearing some of what he has to say about this team. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, well, Sean Aguano is uh, ASU's coach right now. Wolf, not something necessarily would have expected on Friday. Not That's not a knock on Sean Aguano. He's the interim coach, but I just don't... I didn't expect Herm to get let go mid-season. Somebody tipped me off yesterday morning that it was going to happen, so then going into the Cardinals game, knowing at some point ASU's probably going to announce a coaching yeah. change. Um, but still, I mean, that was going into the weekend, I would have thought you can't lose to Eastern Michigan, and they did, and they were pretty thoroughly dominated in that game. Uh, but I still I, I, didn't expect to be switching coaches midseason. This is the Sean Aguano quote uh, from just a few minutes ago. said, quote, the way I see it, the last three games were our preseason. Now the real season begins. Looking backward will do us no good. In reality, we've got to get ready to go, unquote. That's true. And I wish him all the luck in the world, obviously, yeah. but they do, their next three games are against Utah, USC, and UW, so yeah.
0: he's, talk about just being thrown right into the fire as a head coach. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of intensity uh, these kids come out. It's a fight or flight mentality, this game, the next three games, it's fight or flight. They have to be it more is, intense, they're overmatched by these next exactly three Exactly right, there's no doubt about it, so it, it's one of these deals where you better, you better go out with a dark heart and a painted face and give everything you have and play the game with some bloody knuckles or get out and that's what you worry about at this point in time right now because we had how many new guys coming in this year 43 43, as a matter of fact 43 new players coming into the program this year next year it'll be 83 (laughs) they um College football rosters are the best too because
1: I was looking at the game on Saturday because I've got the number seven ASU jersey right. I was like, can I wear this yet, or are people still going to think it's a perfect jersey and I'm going to be like shunned? So I'm looking at the roster. Who's number seven? There's three number sevens on the roster this year. That's how big college football rosters are. This is um, Dennis Dodd put this out this morning, and it is potential. ASU coaching candidates. Now, look, maybe Sean Aguano gets this team rolling in these final nine games and he sticks and he's the guy. I don't, I don't think you can rule that out. But if you're ASU, you'd like to go out and get a relatively big name. I gotta be honest, Wolf, and you know I'm a big ASU guy. The names on this list that Dennis Dodd put out there, I don't think ASU can get these guys, at least not most of them. Here's the first two on the list. Matt Rule
0: <laughs> Byron Leftwich. Yeah, okay. Good luck. <clears throat> Let's see, both these guys have jobs currently in the National In Football the NFL. Rule might not
1: at the end of the year.
0: We'll True. see. Yeah, um, Matt Rule. Uh, no, that's not going to happen right there. To me, it's not going to happen because Matt Rule's going to want way too much money.
1: Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, Byron Leftwich, I'll definitely take. But also on this list, Dion Sanders. See, why yeah, is Deion, you know Why know. are
0: these guys leaving where they are? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what Dion Sanders is making. I don't. Byron Leftwich. Um, I, I think Byron is more of an NFL guy. I'd be really, really surprised if Byron Leftwich wanted to start coaching college. Kids. I would. I, I would really be surprised to see
1: his name on here. He's kind of. He's put in. He's. Put in and is still putting in his time yeah. at the NFL level. He seems to be in line for an NFL head coaching.
0: Sure. Team. Hey, Byron, what do you say you go out and hit the recruiting trail? Is that okay? Is that what you want to do? I think do, he'd Byron? be good at it if he wanted to, though. Um, He's like Mr.
1: Positivity.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. I really don't. Uh, there's so much more to it, especially when somebody says, Yeah, well, what kind of NIL are you going to give me, That's, Byron? I, I mean, what, what are you going to give me? Um, I don't know how that would fly. I don't know why would anybody would coach college
1: right now if they Too have NFL much. options. I,
0: I'm serious. I don't understand that either. Um, Listen, Kenny Dillingham is a coach that I happen to know. Kenny Dillingham, of course, the offensive coordinator. He was at Auburn. Uh, That's the SEC, last time I checked. That's that's a pretty good program right there. It has been historically. (laughs) Auburn, of course, in the SEC. Um, He's got experience with that. Now, all of a sudden, he's the offensive coordinator for the Oregon Ducks. Um okay maybe maybe they've been a little disappointing uh so far in how they've gone out and played but um that's a pretty good program last time I checked right there. Uh, I think the Ducks um <laughs> go Ducks. They look good I over the weekend. Help, I can't help but say go Ducks. Um Kenny Dillingham, why wouldn't you kick the tires on Kenny Dillingham, who also has some local connections here to the Basin? Are yeah. you kidding? I think at this point,
1: I, I'm reading the Dennis Dodd list, and these are these seem like names more than anything else. Deion Sanders is not. I, I, it, Deion Sanders has a pretty good thing going in Jackson State, and yeah, I'm sure he wants to move there. on to Florida State or somewhere eventually, but... I'm just trying to be realistic. ASU is still in the middle of an investigation. They just lost to Eastern Michigan. I don't think you have your choice of head coaches lining up to come here, but at the same time, you've got to be careful not to make the wrong hire. Right, Because if you make a wrong hire now, you're going to be set way back with everything else that's going on. You almost need a younger, wants-to-prove-it, hungry sort of
0: coach that can relate. There you go. Kenny Dillingham, once again, um, a college guy, a college guy through and through. You want to go opposite. So much of the time, this is what happens with breakups. You go opposite, completely opposite. So if you're going to go completely opposite from the NFL and the NFL model, now all of a sudden, how about a guy that's been a career college coach and he's experienced success and he knows the area oh yeah kenny dillingham to me right now and oh by the way you'd be able to get him for something reasonable it's not like all of a sudden you're gonna have to pay kenny dillingham which you're gonna pay matt rule that's that's not gonna be the case yeah i i'd I'd be all on Boards with Kenny Kane.
1: laughing because you said you go the exact opposite typically in a breakup well they just had the NFL pro model and right now going into their game against Utah they have a former high school coach as their head coach so that's going the opposite right there right yeah it is instead of On having an interim
0: her, basis uh, I don't know if you want to go that far
1: no I'm, I'm not saying but let's see what he can do I mean this season at this point is I don't want to say a lost season, but it's a lost season as far as doing anything of significance, other than maybe Sean Aguano comes in and he gets this team playing, and he's the guy for another year. I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen him coach a game yet. Anybody can can talk, as we just saw, but you actually have to produce wins too. There's a story on The Athletic by, uh, by Doug Haller that really goes into uh, a lot of the last five years, and I'm not going to read it all here, but there was one line, Wolf, that really stood out to me that I showed you. There, there was quite a few of these, actually, but there was There was one that basically insinuated that uh, it has gotten so bad this year. Here it is. An opposing coach recently told The Athletic that it wasn't hard to get intel on this season's team because some within Arizona State Athletics wanted
0: a coaching change. That's awful if that's true. In the Okay, the athletic department? They're not talking about the coaching staff. It just says within
1: Arizona State Athletics. That's one line out of a very long story, but that's crazy if that's well, true. Well, that
0: is crazy right there. Um, I just wonder how much of this was internal dysfunction, because I also think that's where there was a breakdown. It just looked like Herm was pretty removed from the process once again. It looked like Herm was more of an administrative head coach. We we talked about this the last time. Um, we, we, we discussed this, and we've been talking about it over the course of coming into this season from time to time as well. Um, this was a situation where I think the breakdown in communication, the breakdown in Herm Edwards and Herm being more of an administrator than he was actually coaching um, I think the execution of the idea is where this thing blew up it,
1: it does say that in this story too it talks about the fact that when Herm took this job he perceived it as more of an administrative role. and Like I told you earlier, that was kind of how I interpreted it, too, back in 2017 of Herm's going to kind of be the manager, right? He was the CEO of the pro model. That's what it was, but they were going to have other coaches underneath him, and whether it's Herm's fault or not, some of those other coaches uh, ended up really kind of leading quickly to the downfall of everything. So, yeah. I found it very interesting when Ray Anderson said yesterday "This they still, they're better now than they were when Todd Graham got out, let go, and they were right. hiring Herm Edwards. Like, this feels like one of the lowest points in program history. Totally I'm, not, I'm not putting that all on Herm by any means. Sure. Like you, I like Herm, uh, but, I mean, come on, you just lost to Eastern Michigan. You're in the middle of an investigation. You can't recruit
0: anybody. How is this, how is this improvement? I don't know if you actually saw the Twitter feed, but uh, I forget who it was who tweeted it out, uh, the little meeting at the end of uh, the game between Michael Crow and Ray Anderson and Herm Edwards, and it was a short, brief, little meeting and to me um that was we need to meet that was a little meeting to say we need to have no, a meeting. the meeting for the before the meeting is Correct. that's the
1: worst hey let's meet about meeting all right we come back we'll continue to react to the cardinals wild win over the raiders yesterday we'll get the reaction of john gambadoro i've never read his full name gambo's joining us next it's the wolf and luke show on 987 fm arizona sports station